We are in a series called Simplify, and we're talking about practices that unclutter our soul. And uh, we're going to continue that today. And then next week, my dad's going to finish this series. My dad's going to be here, and he's going to be speaking. So excited about that. But if you have your Bibles, you can open to Ecclesiastes, and, uh, or turn on your iPhones, whatever it is. But go ahead and turn to Ecclesiastes. And we've been looking at uh, this book, and as we've been talking about this idea of simplify, one of the things that I, I think is really important in our culture right now is that we're very busy and life is, uh, when you ask people how they're doing, you get the same response. Most people will say, you know, I'm doing well, but I'm really busy. I'm crazy busy. Everyone, I'm sure everyone here has had just a busy week. I didn't because I was sick all week and, you know, I was at home, but it was still busy. And I think as we talk about kind of like what kind of life does Jesus call us to and how are we most available for him, one of the things that we need to talk about is just kind of simplifying who we are as people and, and what we do so that we can be available to what God wants to do through us. And so we've been going through this series, and I've been talking about how it's, it's kind of a lighthearted series. And so if you come to church expecting to really get challenged and kind of like get like a kick to the gut, that's not going to happen in this series. It will happen in this church, but right now we've been talking about this idea of simplifying. So also in the Christian calendar, we're in this, this season called Lent, and Lent leads up to Easter. And as we talk about Lent, Lent is a time for, for followers of Jesus to, to go through this period of kind of self-denial and giving up certain things and surrendering certain things so that they can be more available to the presence of Christ as we get ready for Easter. So even as we've been talking about Simplify, removing certain things from our life that would unclutter our soul, we enter into this series of uh, this season of Lent, getting ready for Easter. And so Simplify is not just about simply giving up certain things, but it's about being more in tune with who God has created us to be. So that's kind of the hope of this series. And today we're going to be in Ecclesiastes. We've looked at this book a couple times. We were talking about kind of like scheduling. And what I like about this book is I think it's very practical. It's one of the wisdom books of the Old Testament. So just looking at the, the context of this book, Ecclesiastes, we, we believe that it was written by this man named Solomon. And Solomon is kind of, tradition says, one of the wisest men to ever live on the earth. So Solomon is the guy that wrote the Proverbs. Solomon is the son of King David. David, the guy that slayed the, the giant Goliath. And Solomon was probably one of the greatest leaders for the Jewish people in their history. And when he was in charge, uh, they had basically like an empire. It was the most powerful, successful, significant time in, in their history. When they were as large as they'd ever been, there were so famous people from other countries like places like Sheba, the Queen of Sheba, came to visit and to see what this guy Solomon was all about. And so Solomon was considered this, this unbelievably wise leader, especially early on in his life. And we know that he asked for wisdom from God. We also know that Solomon, if you read through the scripture, the older, that he, the older he got, he became kind of a corrupt dude. And he, he started to make a lot of decisions that really harmed him and harmed the future of his people. And it's interesting is, is usually people grow, as they grow older, they become wiser. But with Solomon, the older he got, the more corrupt he got. And so there's some questions on whether or not he actually wrote this or if maybe one of his students wrote it. Um, but tradition says that Solomon wrote this book. And the thought is he wrote it at the end of his life after he had helped build and establish this great empire and then made a bunch of really bad decisions and saw everything kind of crumble around him in his personal life and he became corrupt. He gets through all of that and then he writes this book basically about wisdom. 
And the purpose of the book was wisdom for our life and wisdom for our work. And he opens up by saying that basically all things are meaningless, right? But as we look at kind of simplifying our life, I wanted to look at this book because I believe it's a book of wisdom. Uh, I love what Eugene Peterson says about wisdom. He says, wisdom is the art of living skillfully in whatever actual conditions we find ourselves in. I repeat that. Wisdom is the art of living skillfully in whatever actual conditions we find ourselves in. So we're talking about wisdom. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. As we talk about simplifying our life, being wise about our choices so that we could be available to what God has for us. So today we're going to be talking about wisdom when it comes to our workplace. And I know we talk about occupation a lot. We talk about occupation because as followers of Jesus, we are called to be change agents in our city. And so our working lives, what we do uh, for a living, our career, about a third of our time goes to that. Most of us will work eight to 10 hours a day, five to six days a week. And we spend a lot of time at work. And so when it comes to us following Jesus, we need to understand what kind of workers we are in this world. Because that's the largest mission field that we have is eight to 10, eight, eight to 10 hours a day, five days a week. You are in these public places working. So occupation is a big deal. Having wisdom and then talking about who is God calling us to be at work, I think is absolutely essential for a follower of Jesus. So I want to start in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Let's start in verse 18. And I'll just read this. Then I realized that it is good and proper for a man to eat and drink and to find satisfaction in this toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given him. For this is his lot. Moreover, when God gives any man wealth and possessions and enables him to enjoy them, to accept his lot, and to be happy in his work, this is a gift of God. And he seldom reflects on the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with gladness of heart. So in this passage, Solomon talks about this idea that it's appropriate for a person to eat and drink and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor. And then he goes on to say, moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and to be happy in their toil, this is a gift from God. So this man who has all of this wisdom starts talking about our toil, our labor. And he says the first thing is that it's a good thing to find satisfaction in our work what we do with our occupation, what we do with our career, to find satisfaction in that. And then the second thing is this, to enjoy the gifts that God gives to us. To enjoy the gifts that God gives to us. It says there's wisdom in this to do these two things. And I think when we talk about this, what God's calling on our life is, I always say that the gospel does two things. The gospel, it it comforts those who are afflicted, And it afflicts those who are comfortable. So when we hear this message of Jesus and what God calls us to do, sometimes there's this unbelievable challenge of he's calling me to sacrifice. He's calling me to do something that's uncomfortable. And there's other times where the message of Jesus is, wow, this is actually very comforting, a very comforting message that I need to hear right now. And I think that the gospel does both. It comforts the afflicted and it afflicts the comfortable. I think sometimes what happens in the message of the gospel is when it comforts those who are comfortable, it can become an unhealthy uh, religion. And when it afflicts those who are afflicted, it can become something that's unhealthy. 
But as we look at this today, and we look at what the Scripture teaches us about our work, it says two things. To be satisfied in our work, what we do throughout the week, and then to enjoy the gifts that God gives us. Satisfaction and enjoyment. Two things that Solomon says, this is wisdom. So finding satisfaction at your work. Most people I talk to fall into three categories. They're either out of work looking for a job, or they have a job and they're working, or they have a job and they're looking for a job, right? So you kind of fall in these three categories. Either you're looking for a job, you have a job, or you have a job, but you don't like it and you're looking for a job. I think most people fall into that. There are those among us who have conquered work and they've been able to retire, and we salute you. (laughs) Very happy for you. That's great. Uh, But you've spent your whole life working. You've spent your whole life in a career and in giving your life to something. And so we fall into these categories of work. And the idea of having satisfying work is something that we strive for as followers of Jesus. When we, when we find satisfaction in what we do throughout the week, I believe it helps simplify our lives in a couple of key areas. The first is with our energy. When we find that our work is satisfying, we have a healthy level of energy. And uh, it's interesting, uh, Will Davies is in the back here on sound here. He's a sound technician, and he, this morning when we got up, we started kind of setting up everything. He's like, man, I'm, I worked a 14-hour day yesterday. And I was like, on Saturday? Your boss asked you to come in on Saturday. And I was like, well, is that okay? And he's like, well, um, if, if it was any other job, I think I'd be really ticked off, but I, I love what I do. And so, yeah, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy that I get to do that. So there's this, like, working 14 hours, coming in on a Sunday morning and helping set up, you would think that he would just be completely, like, gone, exhausted. But when we do things that we find satisfaction in, they energize us. It actually gives us energy, even when we're expending energy. There's so many people that they, they work, and their work is just absolutely exhausting, and they come home from the day, and they're like, man, I, I just hated that. And you have no energy to give to your family. And so finding satisf- satisfaction in our work, finding work that we're, we're satisfied in, keeps our energy levels up. And that's a healthy thing. That's a good thing. The second thing is peace. When we find satisfaction at work, we have peace in our life. I believe that peace is a fruit of the Spirit. Peace is evidence that God is working in us. And when you have satisfaction, you have peace which I think emotionally is good. You come home to your family and you don't take out this terrible day on them. So finding satisfaction in your work is a good thing because it simplifies the peace in your life. And then finally, satisfaction at work, I believe, helps with self-confidence. I think self-confidence is important because when you are are self-confident, when you know this is what God has called me to do, this is the work that he's called me to do, you're empowered to be who God has called you to be. And so when we find satisfaction in our work, we're more self-confident. And so because of that, we make better decisions. Because of that, we're, we're stronger as people and the world gets better. So this idea of, of satisfaction in work is, is, I think, absolutely important. And it's something that, that I believe that we need to, to move towards to find fulfillment in life. God says the, that it's wise to find satisfaction in your work, in enjoyment. So satisfaction and enjoyment, how does, that, how does that happen? How do we find that? Oh, yeah, and, and this is why I think it's important. Satisfaction is important because I love these words from Eugene Cho. He says, invest in yourself. Take care of yourself. We can't give to others what we don't have. 
Experience life and will be life-giving to others. Love those words. Invest in yourself. This is what satisfaction is important because you get to be better for other people when you're satisfied. Eugene Cho is uh, this pastor up in in Seattle, and he actually started this organization called One Day's Wages that works to alleviate poverty in the third world. This guy's sacrificed unbelievable amounts of his life and time and energy to alleviating poverty. And then he says something like this. It's important to invest in yourself, to take care of yourself. And then when we do that, we're better for other people. Solomon says, finding satisfaction in your toil at work is wise. This idea of satisfaction and enjoyment, go to the next slide. It comes uh, from the filter of four foundational alignments. And I want to talk about these alignments, and then I want to spend some time just kind of reflecting on, on this. And I don't know where you're at in your life, but as we've talked about simplifying, my hope is that these alignments will, will just kind of help you in your own kind of workforce. But when you align your passion with your work, um, you find enjoyment and satisfaction. Passion, something that you're passionate about. Are you able to actually get up on a Monday morning and say, I can't wait to go and do this because I'm passionate about it? Is there alignment with what you feel like God's laid on your heart to do and what you're actually doing? Um, For some people, that's not the case. Um, I think that God has gifted every single one of us with different gifts and passions. And my hope as, as a pastor is to help, how do we align what you're passionate with with what you want this occupation for your life to be? What do you want to give your life to? Let's, let's figure that out. And so I think a big part of like our own leadership development is identifying this is what I'm passionate about and this is what I want to pursue and do for the rest of my life. When we align our passion with our work, we find great enjoyment. So a couple of questions to think about for this. Does your job right now fit your area of passion in your life? The job that you're doing, does that fit your area of passion. And what can you do to bring this into alignment with your current life? What can you do to bring this into alignment? Um, When we are passionate about what we do, uh, we're better at what we do, and the world gets better because of it. So finding alignment with our passion and our work is the first kind of filter. The second one, culture alignment. Culture alignment. So you might be really passionate about something but your workplace might not be a culture that you connect with. People who find enjoyment and satisfaction enjoy their working environment. They enjoy the culture that they're a part of. And so what I've found in, in that culture kind of trumps everything. You might find something that you're not even necessarily really passionate about, but the culture is aligned. And so because of that, like whatever you're doing work-wise works for you, and you find great enjoyment for it. I've also found that people might be super passionate about certain things and then they go to a certain place to work because they're passionate about it and then the culture is dysfunctional and unhealthy and it just destroys their passion. They don't find enjoyment. They don't find satisfaction and it drains them. So aligning this idea of um, I'm, I'm passionate but also the culture is right. So a couple of questions to think about. Is this place, is this the place where I can thrive? The place that you're working, is this the place that you can thrive? Is the culture of your workplace life-giving to you? And what can you do to be a better culture builder instead of a culture buster? Believe that culture is changed um, not by critiquing it, but by creating something new. So how do you create better culture so that it's aligned with your passion? Third filter, 
is challenge alignment, a challenge alignment. So in your workplace, there's really kind of four different types of challenges. One is that you might be under-challenged in your workplace. And when you're under-challenged, you get bored and you don't find enjoyment and satisfaction. So maybe you're in, in some sort of role where it's like, this just doesn't feel like it's pulling the best out of me. And I'm not being utilized um, how I should be. I'm a huge Phoenix Suns fan. Do you have any Suns fans in the room today? Right now, we're going through one of the um, darkest, most uh, devastating times in our recent history as a, as a Suns uh, organization. I talk about them as we because I feel like I'm part of them. <clears throat> but they just, they just made some huge trades. And they sent probably one of the best point guards in the NBA to a team in Miami. They made this trade. One of the reasons that they made the trade was that he demanded it. His name is Goran Dragic. We all know Goran. One of the best players. He was third team All-NBA last year, which means he was one of the top three point guards in the league and uh, was completely thriving. Um, The story goes they brought in another point guard this offseason and they drafted one. And they moved him from being the primary point guard on the Suns to being kind of an off guard that didn't have the ball in his hands. And so he, you know, halfway through the season decides, I'm not being utilized the way I'm supposed to be. The culture isn't quite right, and then I'm being underutilized. And so my numbers are dropping, I'm not having fun, and I want out of here. And so we look at that, we're like, oh, come on, Goran, why can't you be more of a team player? You're being selfish. And he's like, I want to be in a place where I'm being utilized for what my gifts are. So they ended up trading him, and uh, and and. Now we're probably not going to make the playoffs, so I'm really bummed. But, <clears throat> but being under-challenged, what happens is that creates discontentment. When you're not being used for what God has gifted you to do, and when we're able to find alignment in what we're called to do and how God challenges us, we find enjoyment. So being under-challenged will lead to something unhealthy. Appropriately challenged is good, but it's not everything. When you're at work and you're like, this is a good work uh, load that they're giving me and and I'm being challenged here in a way that I can still get stuff done. That's a good thing, but it's not necessarily the best. And then there's this third category that's dangerously overchallenged. Maybe you're completely overworked. You're stressed out. You're in over your head. It's too much. So because of that, you don't find enjoyment and satisfaction. There's burnout that comes from that. And then there's this fourth category that I think is, is really healthy. It's appropriately challenged plus something else. You're in this work environment where it's, it's challenging for you in a way that's healthy, but it's also stretching you and you're growing and you're, you're being caused to become a better person because of it. That's the alignment that I think that we want in our workplace. Uh, being appropriately challenged plus something, the challenge alignment, getting in a place that's going to make you better as a person. And so the question to kind of reflect on is, what do you need to do to get that right challenge level at work? What adjustments need to be made so you're in that right challenge level at work? And finally, the fourth filter is this, the compensation alignment, pay versus passion, pay versus passion. It's not often that we find people that are super passionate about what they do and they get compensated really, really well for it. I think most people would like to get paid more, but... And if, if most of us could say, I just want to pursue what I'm passionate about, and if money didn't, if money didn't matter, I could go do it, and that's not reality. Um, most of us don't have the opportunity to go and do that. And so this idea of compensation alignment is important. And here's one thing that I found is that this equation, low pay but high passion, 
um, is probably where kind of like most people are. You might be passionate about something, but I'm not being compensated for it. So what we have to do is supplement your income. So find something else to do so that you can do what you really want to do. And then there's this other category that's high pay but low passion. I had a friend that was working for this engineering company right out of college, and it was a a really good job, and it was a great paying job for him, making more money than he ever thought he would make. But he's like, I get to work every day, and I sit at this computer, and there's nothing that I do that I'm passionate about. He's like, I went to school to become this, and now I'm like, I just spent my education becoming something, and if I knew that this was what it was going to be like, I just feel dead every single day. I live in Cubicleville. And so he ends up like getting, <clears throat> for him, he like burning out at this job that was this great job because he wanted to go do something that he was passionate about. And so if you've got this you know, high pay situation, but you have low passion, finding something that would supplement your passion and going and pursuing that. I don't know if you guys have heard of Bob Goff. He wrote this book called Love Does. Um, he's kind of the, the master of this idea of supplementing his passion. If you know the story of Bob Goff, he was this attorney, um, really successful attorney, made tons of money, but his passion wasn't really for being an attorney. And even though he made a lot of money, what he decided is to supplement his passion, what God has called him to do. So he went to Point Loma University and started teaching, hanging out with college students there. He also went and, and started, this, started this organization that works for justice in Uganda and India, and he gave his life to that. And he was able to do that because he made a lot of money as an attorney so that he could go out and do that. And what we find is that he's had this very like, transformative ministry that he's started because he was able to supplement his passion with his high-paying job. And so here's the questions um, just for this alignment filter. If pay and passion are not aligned in your current job, what solution above will lead you to the most satisfying alignment? And what steps can you take to help equalize pay and passion in your life? And so as we kind of get ready to close today, I know today was kind of uh, very like super practical, not a lot of stories, but when it comes to our work world, when it comes to what you do with a third of your time throughout the week, our hope is that you're finding satisfaction and enjoyment. And I believe it comes through these filters. Um, so we're going to just take some time to the next slide and just um, have some silence and let you just kind of sit and reflect. And I'm going to read through these questions one more time. And then Matt's going to come up and close us with with some songs. But let's uh, take some time. If you want to just jot this down, these questions. Does your job fit your area of passion? What can you do to bring this into alignment with what you're currently doing? Is the culture of your workplace life-giving? What can you do to be a culture builder rather than just a culture buster? What category of challenge do you fall under? What needs to be adjusted so you can thrive? And if pay and passion are not aligned in your current job, which solution below will lead you to the most satisfying alignment for you? So like I said, this is kind of, a, kind of some lighthearted stuff that we're dealing with today. But I believe that each one of us is called to, to have meaningful work. That God has equipped every single one of us to do something meaningful with our lives. I don't know what it is that you do. I know some of your stories. My hope is that you charge into Monday knowing that you've been designed by God to be a certain kind of person in your workplace. I know that God has designed us to find meaning and satisfaction in what we do and to enjoy it. And I believe that when we do that, we're better people for the world and the world becomes a better place. 
So let's spend some time reflecting. Each week, uh, we close our sermons with communion. And uh, communion for us is where we center ourselves around the story of Jesus. We believe that the work that God did in this world through his son Jesus is what this story is all about. God loves us so much that he would send Christ into the world, his son, that he would take all of the brokenness, that he would take all of the sin of the world, um, and he would absorb that on the cross. And then, uh, and then from that, he would conquer sin and death to give us life. And so as we've been thinking even about our own occupation, the own work that we strive for every single day, um, let us remember the work that God did for us. Um, as we go to communion, as we, as we reflect and we remember uh, what God did, Maybe we we empowered to do likewise as followers of Jesus, to give our lives to something, to break ourselves open, to pour ourselves out so that others may have life. And so when you're ready, you can move towards communion. It's over here on the table. Um, And then uh, if any of you would like to just kind of pray about uh, where you're at in life with your own job, I know none of us probably have the perfect situation, but my hope is that you would find satisfaction in what you do. My hope is that you'd find enjoyment. I think it makes the world a better place. And I think God has designed us for this kind of work. So if you'd like to just kind of talk about where you're at, I'd love to just pray with you, encourage you any way that I can. So let's pray. And then we're going to close with some worship and communion. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. Lord, we thank you for um, your word. Lord, as we read these words of this uh, wise man from thousands of years ago, we trust this insight, Lord. We trust that, um, that you've called us to a life of satisfying work. You've called us to enjoy the gifts that you've given us. Lord, a lot of us carry around different tension from work. A lot of us carry, uh, yeah, just uh, uh, stress. We're in places of transition. We're in places of, of striving and... and, and uh, not necessarily being compensated for it, Lord. Some of us are overworked and exhausted. Some of us are are bored with our work. Lord, we know that you you desire good things for us. We know that we've been blessed so that we may bless others. So whatever it is, Lord, with our occupation, we come to you today. We just lay it at your feet. We give our work to you. And we ask that you, would, that you would look over it, Lord. That you would bless. That you would open up opportunities. That you would teach us to be the certain kind of people in this world. As we simplify our lives, Lord, I pray that you would just restore energy and peace. That we would be your people. Lord, we love you so much. In your son's name we pray. Amen.